Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. If you're an owner, general manager, or sales manager of an auto dealership in the Delaware Valley, get in touch with Jacob Media right now and ask for this exclusive opportunity to saturate the market. If you're looking for showroom ups, buyers, and used car buyers who will travel to your dealership and do business, get in touch and understand why our Automotive Minute and our pre-owned showcase will drive eyeballs and phone calls. You will do business. Jacob Media Partners will turn on the power of radio and drop your dealership right in front of the car buyers. Contact Joe Krause at Jacob Media Partners 267-261-3428. The power of the Automotive Minute produced by Jacob Media Partners will bring you buyers. Contact me, Joe Krause, at 267-261-3428. 267-261-3428. And turn on the power of radio. Ups, calls, and buyers guaranteed to sell every car we feature in the Automotive Minute. I'm Joe Krause. I'll see you on the road. You're listening to The Fix with Ryan Rothstein, live from the PropSwap studios of AM 1490 Sports Betting Radio. Prop swap that ticket and cash in while the odds have improved. Once again, here's Ryan. All right, we are back. Welcome to The Fix, live in the PropSwap studios, AM 1490 Sports Betting Radio. And it's that time. To bring in our NFL Eagles insider, John McMullen. Follow John on Twitter at JFMcMullen. Phillyvoice.com, SI.com is where you can find all of John's written work and host of Extending the Play every Saturday from 10 a.m. to 11 right here on 1490. John, how are you doing tonight? Uh, Doing well. Trying to uh, figure out what the heck the Philadelphia Eagles are up to, which I (laughs) imagine everyone is. Yeah, that's that's the question we're all asking. What what the heck are the Eagles doing? What the heck are the Eagles up to? What the heck is Jeffrey Lurie up to? Um, you know, we got into plenty of that last night, but where are we now tonight? Have we learned anything new? Um, I, well, we learned that the Eagles are are basically working off the same list as everybody else in this league, which is no surprise. Uh, I mean. For all the talk of of outside the box innovation, all all that you know, Robert Sala, uh, Arthur Smith, Todd Bowles, those are the three names. Uh, uh, Eagles are going to start interviewing. Same old, same old. Uh, but you know, that's this league in general. Uh, I mean, every year, Robert Sala is a perfect example. There's seven teams now. The Eagles are the seventh team. He's interviewed with six of them. Um, you know, maybe he's a good coach. Um, maybe he turns out to be a good coach. Maybe he isn't. We all know how this works, but everybody works from the same list. It's a, it's a group think mentality and the Eagles are a part of it. And, you know, the bigger part of this is they already lucked out. They already found a coach, you know, the ceiling, we always talk about ceilings 
and floors with players. You know the ceiling if you have personnel. You know, why do you mess with that? We're going to be talking about this for a long, long time. All right, so who is the right personality for this locker room? And this locker room has dealt with a lot um, since the Super Bowl winning season. So you fire Doug Peterson for probably a multitude of reasons, but are you looking to bring in a completely different type of coach, a different type of personality? We bring up innovative and how the Eagles think they are that, um, but maybe not so much. So if you could build the perfect head coach to replace Doug Peterson, what does that look like? Well, I I don't know if you can be more well-liked in the locker room. I mean, other than Carson Wentz, who is a big part uh, of it, and any starting quarterback is, and obviously Carson's upset over being benched. I mean, you've seen the players on social media to this point. Everybody loved Doug. Uh, And the one thing he said in his statement was, the the one thing he was most proud of is is how this team fought for him. Um, typically, when they were out of things uh, or people thought they were out of things in previous seasons, and they made the late playoff runs, or or even this season where you know they were fighting in that week seventeen game, especially defensively, um, never gave up, always always, uh, um, and that's rare. Um, and I, so I don't know how you improve on that. So the only thing you can improve on is scheme. And, you know, smart teams in this league know head coaching isn't about scheme. Anybody, I, I say this all the time, pick, what do you like? What do you like? I say this to fans, owners, whoever, media, up and down. What do you like? You can get that tape and copy it. That's all the NFL is. Everybody steals from everybody. The the difficult part is teaching it and getting your players to execute it. That's the difficult part. So head coaching in this league, first and foremost, is about leadership, and the Eagles aren't going to find a, a, a better leader, and that's the problem they have. Um. And it's pretty evident. You know, the Eagles are coming off um, uh, Chip Kelly before Doug Peterson. And and I've said, you think they would have learned from that? They didn't learn from that. It's it's evident. Uh, So you look at the way they handled this thing, and and it's pretty clear that Jeffrey and and Howie Roseman, to a lesser degree, and I I don't even want to blame Howie Roseman for this, because this is really just the Jeffrey Lurie thing. It's pretty clear that he thinks he's more responsible for that Super Bowl championship. And that's where we are. That's why we are where we are. And I I brought up Last night, um, at one point on the show, the the Super Bowl and Nick Foles, um, and, and you bring up scheme, and it's a copycat league, you know. But it, it just seems like here that Doug Peterson could not get on the same page with Carson Wentz from 2018 on, um, and then Jeffrey Lurie talks about bringing in a guy that can you know help mend that relationship and get Carson back on track. Now, how much of a factor do you feel like? 
the Nick Foles situation really played into Doug and Carson's relationship from 2018 to today? Uh, I don't think uh, much. You know, one thing I, I said, everybody's been very consistent throughout the years, and I was there from day one of Carson Wentz till, till right now. Um, whether it was uh, Doug himself, whether it was uh, Frank Wright, John D. Filippo, Mike Grow, Press Taylor, people who liked Carson Wentz, people that didn't like him because of his personality, um, everybody would agree with one adjective with Carson Wentz, and it's stubborn. And and sometimes that's good, and sometimes that's bad. Uh, you know, Peyton Manning is one of the most stubborn quarterbacks who ever lived, but he's also one of the best quarterbacks that ever lived, so nobody gives a you-know-what. Um, in Carson's case, he probably could use some help. Uh, when it comes to coaching, and other than John Filippo, I don't think they found uh, the coach that can flip that switch. Uh, and I think, you know, as they start this rebuild project, and I fully expect Carson Wentz back now, I, I think maybe the more important hire here is the quarterback coach, the day-to-day guy. I honestly believe that because you got to break him down. you got to rebuild those mechanics from – basically square one and you don't need scheme. You don't need eyewash. You don't need orbit motion, jet motion. You need somebody who's going to get this kid to understand his mechanics are awful and he needs to improve them to where they once were. That's the most important part. Talking with John McMullen, our NFL Eagles insider. Follow John on Twitter at JF McMullen. Um, John, let's go back to Jeffrey Lurie speaking yesterday for a second. We touched on this last night, but how insane did Jeffrey Lurie really look yesterday? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I went through the transcript today. I went, wow. I, I mean, I don't want to go. I, I, I mean, oof, he was not prepared for that. Um, he, he contradicted himself so many times. It's, it's hard to count. Um, just a convoluted explanation of Doug didn't deserve to be fired, but I'm fired. What does that mean? Uh, and then his, his defense of Howie Roseman, which, uh, you know, obviously the fan base does not like Howie. I think we can all agree. I, and, and I do think there is part that, like the average fan doesn't care. He's he's got he's got a much bigger job than picking players, and that's what I think Howie was trying to get across. But he, he's been doing this for over a quarter century. He understands nobody cares. Nobody cares about his management skills. Nobody cares about the scouts he's hiring. Now Jeffrey cares, and it's important. I'm not saying it's not important, but. If you want to move forward with him as the general manager, and obviously he does, uh, it's not even didn't even contemplate firing Howie Roseman. You have to somehow defend uh, his personnel record, and you got to do a better job than he did. You know, people would often criticize Doug. He'd, 
he didn't handle this press conference well. He didn't handle this press conference well. Well, guess what? Jeffrey Lurie was a disaster in that press conference, a disaster to the point where, you know, he was in Palm Beach, unfortunately. I'm sure the Eagles media relations staff would have loved to pull the plug if they were there, but they weren't there. How does How is he not prepared to speak after firing Doug Peterson? I don't even get that. Um, that's a good question. Um, he, he was a little late and that's an indication he was practicing, which is even worse. Uh, <laughs> uh, he, 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 I, I think the bottom line is he didn't have a leg to stand on. So it's tough to defend indefensible positions. Sure. You know, one of, one of the things he said was that he, he hasn't changed in his 27 years as, as the owner of this team. And unfortunately, there were, I think, 57, 58 uh, people on the Zoom call. Uh, and I got in late, so I didn't—I never got to my turn because he's filibustered. The question I wanted to ask him after he said that was, um, yeah, he's had four head coaches, Ray Rhodes, Andy Reid, Chip Kelly, Doug Peterson. And I wanted to ask him, you you haven't changed your management style to any of those four coaches? Because, I, I mean, it's absurd to think that that Jeffrey Lurie would have went to Andy Reid and said, you can't have so-and-so be an assistant coach. Absurd. Absurd. And I wanted to get him on record because everybody would know that. And essentially, why Doug got fired, people can – um, go in all different directions, talk about Carson Wentz. had nothing to do with Carson Wentz. Um, it had to do with his coaching staff, and it had to do with him wanting Press Taylor as the offensive coordinator. And Jeffrey said no, and, and, and Doug was upset from the year prior when he was forced to fire Mike Groh, and he wasn't going to do it again. And that's why he was fired. And that's an indefensible, indefensible position if you're Jeffrey Lawrence. It just seems like ego took over, like like it was Doug had enough of being embarrassed by ownership and front office, and he had to hold you know hold his ground, stand his ground on something that maybe it, it was a hill that he didn't have to die on. I guess is what I'm trying to say. No, well, he didn't have to die. He he could be the head coach if he acquiesced again. But again, he's not. And I and I think a lot of people say, really, you're going to die on the press Taylor Hill? It really wasn't press. It was Mike Groh. He died on that hill. Really, it was just it took a year, um, because he 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 threatened to quit, uh, which would have been dumb um, during the Mike Groh situation because you don't want to quit because you want to get paid. Um, you want to get paid your contract, but. Um, yeah, I, I mean, it, you know, and if you go back again, you know, the tortured thinking, uh, and this is Jeffrey Glory and the contradiction, you know, going back to Chip again, he said, well, I have to give him this personnel power. I have to give him every everything he wants to see what he is, to see if he wasn't the snake of oil salesman. That that was his that was his thought process. That's what he said anyway. So he gives that and, and remember personnel is far, far 
more important than assistant coaches. So that was significantly more power than Doug was asking for. Doug was just asking to be in charge of his own coaching staff after, after, mind you, winning a Super Bowl. So let's look. Go ahead. And he didn't give it to him. And, you know, again, it's an indefensible position. And it, it totally contradicts what he says about not changing as an owner because of the way he's handled things in the past. Again, you can't even. He wouldn't have even muttered that to Andy Reid by 2003. And he could do whatever the you know what he wanted. Uh, I mean, it's just it, and none of the, and Andy's one of the greatest coaches of all time. Now, <clears throat> you know, I, I've been saying that for years. Second best coach of the generation. Um. You look at his coaching tree, look at the playoffs. Almost everybody's got Andy Reid's fingerprints on them uh, as far as other coaches. All-time great, going to the Hall of Fame, finally got the Super Bowl. But you know how people are here. Andy's a loot, can't win the big game. That was all nonsense. However, um, you know, that's how the fan base felt about, felt about him. Uh and this guy wins the Super Bowl, and you can go back to Ray Rhodes again and Chip Kelly. Forget about Andy Reid. He gave him less respect than every other coach he's ever had. It's weird. It's, um, you know, not a consistent model from an owner standpoint. And, you know, you bring up the Pittsburgh Steelers often and their model. And, you know, since 1969, it's been Chuck Knoll, Bill Cowher, Mike Tomlin. Mike Tomlin's been the head coach for the Steelers since 2007. Um, so what what did the Steelers, what have the Steelers changed with Mike Tomlin from 2007 to now? Like, I, I just try and go off the best model and say from the jump, did they give Mike Tomlin X amount of responsibility or did they loosen the leash as his respect grew like, because how, how has Jeffrey Lurie just been so up and down and inconsistent with his management style, with his approach, with his overall philosophy as a culture for the organization? Oh, that's a really good question, uh, and I wish Jeffrey would, would answer it, but his claim is that he hasn't changed. And um, when you look at Pittsburgh, yes, I mean, as any coach who's been there for a significant period of time, whether you go back to Chuck Knoll, uh, or Bill Cower, and, and now Mike. Yeah, in- incrementally you get a little bit more power, more power, more power. Usually it has to do with personnel. I mean, you know, most coaches get to pick their coaching staff. There, there's a few instances, like back in, in 2016 when Doug was hired. I, I didn't have a problem with it. There were arranged marriages between. Uh, Jim Swartz and, and, and Frank Reich and Doug Peterson. Doug didn't hire those guys. They were hired for him. I, I had no problem with that because you're talking about a first-year head coach. Uh, you're talking about a guy who was plan C or maybe plan D, depending on who you believe. And, you know, they basically called up Andy and said, oh, oh my God, we didn't get 
Adam Gates. We didn't get Ben McAdoo. We didn't get Tom Coughlin. What do we do? And and, and he told him to hire Doug. Um, and, and so originally, and it was late in the process, and you want to sort of lock down in, in impressive coaches. Um, and they did that. Uh, and, and, you know, it's interesting that Rob Monty came out today, which is, uh, you know, they wanted to fire Frank Reich a- after uh, 2016, which I think a lot of people didn't know. They wanted to elevate John DiFilippo, but uh, it, it gives you the, 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 this, this, and it starts with Jeffrey. And again, I don't, even, I don't even want to blame Howie Roseman. It's just this, he's gone overboard really since Chip left and maybe Chip broke him. I don't know. That's the only thing I can point to, but most coaches in this league, get to pick their staffs. There's a few exceptions. When John when John DeFilippo went to Minnesota, for instance, that was a Rick Spielman hire. Um, and Mike Zimmer didn't want him. Mike Zimmer wanted to elevate Kevin Stefanski. Uh, and that didn't, guess what? Didn't work out. They fight, didn't even last the season. Had to fire him. Um, but he was given, even then, Zimmer was given that respect to say, okay, you don't like him, let's get him out of here. Uh, for, and, and, and again, that's not a Super Bowl winner. This is a Super Bowl winning coach who was not allowed to pick his assistant coaches. I, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I'm kind of amazed that more people just – their jaw doesn't drop when they hear that, to be honest. John, it's uh, Luke Pergandy here. Um, so then the question becomes, do you think that Press Taylor is the answer? Uh, I, no, I don't, to be honest. Um, and that's fine. If you, if you go the route of Chip Kelly and say, you know what, Doug, okay, I'm going – to let you do what you want and, and put them on notice and say, if this doesn't succeed, you know, you're gone. I have no problem with that line of thinking. Um, but he never got that opportunity. So, I, I mean, Doug personally likes press a lot. He considers him uh, a protege. Uh, he thinks he's a future head coach in this league. Uh, and who knows? Well, he'll probably end up in Cincinnati with his brother, uh, and we'll see where he goes from here. But I, I do think people get too uh, worked up about, and, and you'll see it as, as this coaching search goes on the line. I mean, nobody knows anything about these coaches. Um, but, you know, they'll say, oh, Robert Sell is this, and um, – Arthur Smith is that, and he rescued Ryan Tannehill, and they'll come in, and then they'll watch him for two games, and they'll hate them. That's just the nature of the NFL. You mentioned uh, you mentioned Rob Motti, and I asked you last night about what the firing means for the quarterback situation. Um, and Rob had an interesting take on it, and I'm not saying he's right. No one, I think, is safe to say no one has any idea what's going to really happen. But he mentioned that 
don't assume Carson Wentz returns because Doug is gone. Carson had no input in the firing. Doug wanted to win in 21 with 11. That's Carson. Jeffrey Lurie wants a transition period. And this is all stuff that you mentioned last night, John. Um, but just, I guess, your thoughts on that. And is there any possibility? Of course, anything's on the table. But um, how do you see this playing out? Yeah, he's going to be back. Uh, and, I, you know, I've been very consistent with that because it's not a football decision. It's a financial one. And, you know, Andrew Brandt actually spiked the football. <laughs> I, I'm not going that far. Uh, but he's going to be back. And, 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 you know, again, there's so many contradictions. That's the problem. Again, if you read the transcript, you know, at one point, Jeffrey's talking like he's back. We can rescue him. At another point, he's saying, well, we don't know. We'll we'll see what happens. Um, So that's why I think people are are a little skittish to say uh, he's not going to be back. What is, you know, what Rob points out that's completely true is Carson had nothing to do with uh, him being fired. The relationship had nothing to do with him being fired. But him coming back, he was going to come back. If Doug was here, he was going to come back. Uh, if Lincoln Riley's here, and people are going to make that Jalen Hurts uh, connection with him, uh, he's going to be back because he's not—he's not eating that money. It's just not. It's not. He's not. He's not. You know, in business, they call it a sunk cost. As I mentioned, the money's already gone. So this is, you know, the people that like to um, uh, uh, play contrarian uh, will say that. Well, the money's already gone, so you might as well move on and might as well not have a toxic environment. Well, guess what? They already have a toxic environment, so who cares? But beyond that, uh, when they sign that contract, again, yes, the money's gone. The money's out the door. But in business, you budget. And that's what the Eagles did. And they don't budget for one year. They got a budget, as as Jeffrey pointed out, and one of the few correct things he said, you got to think about more than next year. You got to think a number of years down the line. And they budgeted, and they budgeted pre-pandemic. And I've said this consistently. They expected $250 million of revenue that they didn't get. And now on top of it, you're telling this guy, oh, You also have to set the dead money record in the NFL, not just set it, destroy it. It's not happening. And I'm on the radio every day, Ryan. So if it happens, everybody can dunk on me. But it's not happening. (laughs) Um, Last one for you, John. What? what type of say, if any, do the players in the locker room, do the veterans in the locker room have on the potential um, hiring of the new head coach? Oh, none. Uh, none. Not, not in this organization. Uh, I mean, it's, it, you know, it'll be Jeffrey, a little bit uh, of Howie, a little bit uh, of Don Smolensky. You know, they generally bring in Ron Jaworski uh, as a sort of, I don't know what you want to call it a, uh, a, for public, you know, a public facing approach that, you know, they just like to have a couple names that people recognize, but Jeffrey Lurie's picking the new coach and uh, he's generally, I, I, I will say, obviously, I think you can tell by this conversation, I'm pretty down on Jeffrey Lurie, but 
I, you know, I tend to be very fair. He's he's actually been very successful in hiring head coaches. This will be his fifth. Uh, Ray Rhodes was a coach of the year. Um, Andy was one of the great coaches of all time. Uh, and he, you know, plucked him out of nowhere. Uh, Chip Kelly, for all the, the warts, he was a coach of the year. He won 10 games twice. And Doug won a Super Bowl. So he, he's generally done a, a good job getting coaches, um, and maybe he'll do a good job again. But his his decision making seems to be eroding, and I think it has to do with his belief that he thinks he knows more than he does. I, I mean, if you go all the way back to when he bought this team, I think he understood, look, I don't know much about football. i got to hire good people. And now he's been here 27 years, and he's starting to think he's an expert. You know, why, what, what, what makes him, you know, we, we can talk about Press Taylor. What, what makes Jer, uh, Jeffrey Lurie think he knows more about Press Taylor's ability as a coach than Doug Peterson. It's kind of astonishing. The whole thing's astonishing, and it's not going away. John McMullen will be talking about it with us every night at 1030 until a new head coach is announced, and we'll have new topics to hit on with John. Um, until tomorrow night, John. Thank you, my friend. All right. Thanks, guys. Yep. There he is, John McMullen, our NFL Eagles insider. Follow him on Twitter at JFMcMullen, PhillyVoice.com, SI.com, extending the play every Saturday from 10 to 11. We're going to get to the top of the hour. Much more still ahead. Luke Pergandy, the co-founder of PropSwap in studio when we come back.